Chapter thirty seven of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter thirty seven Mr. Sowerby without company. And now there were going to be wondrous doings in West Barsetshire, and men's minds were much disturbed. The fiat had gone forth from the high places and the queen had dissolved her faithful commons the giants finding that they could effect little or nothing with the old house had resolved to try what a new venture would do for them and the hubbub of a general election was to pervade the country this produced no inconsiderable irritation and annoyance for the house was not as yet quite three years old and members of parliament though they naturally feel a constitutional pleasure in meeting their friends and in pressing the hands of their constituents are nevertheless so far akin to the lower order of humanity that they appreciate the danger of losing their seats and the certainty of a considerable outlay in their endeavours to retain them is not agreeable to the legislative mind never did the old family fury between the gods and giants rage higher than at the present moment the giants declared that every turn which they attempted to take in their country's service had been thwarted by faction in spite of those benign promises of assistance made to them only a few weeks since by their opponents and the gods answered by asserting that they were driven to this opposition by the boeotian fatuity of the giants they had no doubt promised their aid and were ready to give it to measures that were decently prudent but not to a bill enabling government at its will to pension aged bishops no there must be some limit to their tolerance and when such attempts as these were made that limit had been clearly passed all this had taken place openly only a day or two after that casual whisper dropped by tom towers at miss dunstable's party by tom towers that most pleasant of all pleasant fellows and how should he have known it he who flutters from one sweetest flower of the garden to another adding sugar to the pink and honey to the rose so loved for what he gives but taking nothing as he goes but the whisper had grown into a rumour and the rumour into a fact and the political world was in a ferment the giants furious about their bishop's pension bill threatened the house most injudiciously and then it was beautiful to see how indignant members got up glowing with honesty and declared that it was base to conceive that any gentleman in that house could be actuated in his vote by any hopes or fears with reference to his seat and so matters grew from bad to worse and these contending parties never hit at each other with such envenomed wrath as they did now having entered the ring together so lately with such manifold promises of good-will respect and forbearance but going from the general to the particular 
we may say that nowhere was a deeper consternation spread than in the electoral division of west barsetshire no sooner had the tidings of the dissolution reached the county than it was known that the duke intended to change his nominee mr sowerby had now sat for the division since the reform bill he had become one of the county institutions and by the dint of custom and long establishment had been born with and even liked by the county gentlemen in spite of his well-known pecuniary irregularities now all this was to be changed no reason had as yet been publicly given but it was understood that lord dumbelow was to be returned although he did not own an acre of land in the county it is true that rumour went on to say that lord dumbelow was about to form close connections with barsetshire he was on the eve of marrying a young lady from the other division indeed and was now engaged so it was said in completing arrangements with the government for the purchase of that noble crown property usually known as the chase of caldicott's it was also stated this statement however had hitherto been only announced in confidential whispers that caldicott's house itself would soon become the residence of the marquis the duke was claiming it as his own would very shortly have completed his claims and taken possession and then by some arrangement between them it was to be made over to lord dumbelow but very contrary rumours to these got abroad also men said such as dared to oppose the duke and some few also who did not dare to oppose him when the day of battle came that it was beyond his grace's power to turn lord dumbelow into a barsetshire magnate the crown property such men said was to fall into the hands of young mr gresham of boxall hill in the other division and that the terms of purchase had been already settled and as to mr sowerby's property and the house of caldicott's these opponents of the omnium interest went on to explain it was by no means as yet so certain that the duke would be able to enter it and take possession the place was not to be given up to him quietly a great fight would be made and it was beginning to be believed that the enormous mortgages would be paid off by a lady of immense wealth and then a dash of romance was not wanting to make these stories palatable this lady of immense wealth had been courted by mr sowerby had acknowledged her love but had refused to marry him on account of his character in testimony of her love however she was about to pay all his debts it was soon put beyond a rumour and became manifest enough that mr sowerby did not intend to retire from the county in obedience to the duke's behests a placard was posted throughout the whole division in which no allusion was made by name to the duke but in which mr sowerby warned his friends not to be led away by any report that he intended to retire from the representation of west barsetshire he had sat the placard said 
for the same county during the full period of a quarter of a century and he would not lightly give up an honour that had been extended to him so often and which he prized so dearly there were but few men now in the house whose connection with the same body of constituents had remained unbroken so long as had that which bound him to west barsetshire and he confidently hoped that that connection might be continued through another period of coming years till he might find himself in the glorious position of being the father of the county members of the house of commons the placard said much more than this and hinted at sundry and various questions all of great interest to the county but it did not say one word of the duke of omnium though every one knew what the duke was supposed to be doing in the matter he was as it were a great llama shut up in a holy of holies inscrutable invisible inexorable not to be seen by men's eyes or heard by their ears hardly to be mentioned by ordinary men at such periods as these without an inward quaking but nevertheless it was he who was supposed to rule them euphemism required that his name should be mentioned at no public meetings in connection with the coming election but nevertheless most men in the county believed that he could send his dog up to the house of commons as member for west barsetshire if it so pleased him it was supposed therefore that our friend sowerby would have no chance but he was lucky in finding assistance in a quarter from which he certainly had not deserved it he had been a staunch friend of the gods during the whole of his political life as indeed was to be expected seeing that he had been the duke's nominee but nevertheless on the present occasion all the giants connected with the county came forward to his rescue they did not do this with the acknowledged purpose of opposing the duke they declared that they were actuated by a generous disinclination to see an old county member put from his seat but the world knew that the battle was to be waged against the great llama it was to be a contest between the powers of aristocracy and the powers of oligarchy as those powers existed in west barsetshire and it may be added that democracy would have very little to say to it on one side or on the other the lower order of voters the small farmers and tradesmen would no doubt range themselves on the side of the duke and would endeavour to flatter themselves that they were thereby furthering the views of the liberal side but they would in fact be led to the poll by an old-fashioned time-honoured adherence to the will of their great llama and by an apprehension of evil if that llama should arise and shake himself in his wrath what might not come to the county if the llama were to walk himself off he with his satellites and armies and courtiers there he was a great llama and though he came among them but seldom and was scarcely seen when he did come nevertheless and not the less but rather the more was obedience to him considered as salutary and opposition regarded as dangerous 
a great rural lama is still sufficiently mighty in rural england but the priest of the temple mr fothergill was frequent enough in men's eyes and it was beautiful to hear with how varied a voice he alluded to the things around him and to the changes which were coming to the small farmers not only on the gatherum property but on others also he spoke of the duke as a beneficent influence shedding prosperity on all around him keeping up prices by his presence and forbidding the poor rates to rise above one and fourpence in the pound by the general employment which he occasioned men must be mad he thought who would willingly fly in the duke's face to the squires from a distance he declared that no one had a right to charge the duke with any interference as far at least as he knew the duke's mind people would talk of things of which they understood nothing could any one say that he had traced a single request for a vote home to the duke all this did not alter the settled conviction on men's minds but it had its effect and tended to increase the mystery in which the duke's doings were enveloped but to his own familiars to the gentry immediately around him mr fothergill merely winked his eye they knew what was what and so did he the duke had never been bit yet in such matters and mr fothergill did not think that he would now submit himself to any such operation i never heard in what manner and at what rate mr fothergill received remuneration for the various services performed by him with reference to the duke's property in barsetshire but i am very sure that whatever might be the amount he earned it thoroughly never was there a more faithful partisan or one who in his partisanship was more discreet in this matter of the coming election he declared that he himself personally on his own hawk did intend to bestir himself actively on behalf of lord dumbelow mr sarby was an old friend of his and a very good fellow that was true but all the world must admit that sarby was not in the position which a county member ought to occupy he was a ruined man and it would not be for his own advantage that he should be maintained in a position which was fit only for a man of property he knew he fothergill that mr sowerby must abandon all right and claim to caldicott's and if so what would be more absurd than to acknowledge that he had a right and claim to the seat in parliament as to lord dumbelow it was probable that he would soon become one of the largest landowners in the county and as such who could be more fit for the representation beyond this mr fothergill was not ashamed to confess so he said that he hoped to hold lord dumbelow's agency it would be compatible with his other duties and therefore as a matter of course he intended to support lord dumbelow he himself that is 
as to the duke's mind in the matter but i have already explained how mr fothergill disposed of that in these days mr sowerby came down to his own house for ostensibly it was still his own house but he came very quietly and his arrival was hardly known in his own village though his placard was stuck up so widely he himself took no electioneering steps none at least as yet the protection against arrest which he derived from parliament would soon be over and those who were most bitter against the duke averred that steps would be taken to arrest him should he give sufficient opportunity to the myrmidons of the law that he would in such case be arrested was very likely but it was not likely that this would be done in any way at the duke's instance mr fothergill declared indignantly that this insinuation made him very angry but he was too prudent a man to be very angry at anything and he knew how to make capital on his own side of charges such as these which overshot their own mark mr sowerby came down very quietly to caldicott's and there he remained for a couple of days quite alone the place bore a very different aspect now to that which we noticed when mark robarts drove up to it in the early pages of this little narrative there were no lights in the windows now and no voices came from the stables no dogs barked and all was dead and silent as the grave during the greater portion of those two days he sat alone within the house almost unoccupied he did not even open his letters which lay piled on a crowded table in the small breakfast parlour in which he sat for the letters of such men come in piles and there are few of them which are pleasant in the reading there he sat troubled with thoughts which were sad enough now and then moving to and fro the house but for the most part occupied in thinking over the position to which he had brought himself what would he be in the world's eye if he ceased to be the owner of caldicott's and ceased also to be the member for his county he had lived ever before the world and though always harassed by encumbrances had been sustained and comforted by the excitement of a prominent position his debts and difficulties had hitherto been bearable and he had borne them with ease so long that he had almost taught himself to think that they would never be unendurable but now the order for foreclosing had gone forth and the harpies of the law by their present speed in sticking their claws into the carcass of his property were atoning to themselves for the delay with which they had hitherto been compelled to approach their prey and the order as to his seat had gone forth also that placard had been drawn up by the combined efforts of his sister miss dunstable and a certain well-known electioneering agent named closer still presumed to be in the interest of the giants but poor sowerby had but little confidence in the placard no one knew better than he how great was the duke's power 
he was hopeless therefore as he walked about through those empty rooms thinking of his past life and of that life which was to come would it not be well for him that he were dead now that he was dying to all that had made the world pleasant we see and hear of such men as mr sowerby and are apt to think that they enjoy all that the world can give and that they enjoy that all without payment either in care or labour but i doubt that with even the most callous of them their periods of wretchedness must be frequent and that wretchedness very intense salmon and lamb in february and green peas and new potatoes in march can hardly make a man happy even though nobody pays for them and the feeling that one is an antecedentum scelestum after whom a sure though lame nemesis is hobbling must sometimes disturb one's slumbers on the present occasion scelestus felt that his nemesis had overtaken him lame as she had been and swift as he had run she had mouthed him at last and there was nothing left for him but to listen to the whoop set up at the sight of his own death-throes it was a melancholy dreary place now that big house of caldicott's and though the woods were all green with their early leaves and the gardens thick with flowers they also were melancholy and dreary the lawns were untrimmed and weeds were growing through the gravel and here and there a cracked dryad tumbled from her pedestal and sprawling in the grass gave a look of disorder to the whole place the wooden trellis-work was shattered here and bending there the standard rose-trees were stooping to the ground and the leaves of the winter still encumbered the borders late in the evening of the second day mr sowerby strolled out and went through the gardens into the wood of all the inanimate things of the world this ward of caldicott's was the dearest to him he was not a man to whom his companions gave much credit for feelings or thoughts akin to poetry but here out in the chase his mind would be almost poetical while wandering among the forest trees he became susceptible to the tenderness of human nature he would listen to the birds singing and pick here and there a wild flower on his path he would watch the decay of the old trees and the progress of the young and make pictures in his eyes of every turn in the wood he would mark the colour of a bit of road as it dipped into a dell and then passing through a watercourse rose-brown rough irregular and beautiful against the bank on the other side and then he would sit and think of his old family how they had roamed there time out of mind in those caldicott's woods father and son and grandson in regular succession each giving them over without blemish or decrease to his successor though he would sit and so he did sit even now and thinking of these things wished that he had never been born 
it was dark night when he returned to the house and as he did so he resolved that he would quit the place altogether and give up the battle as lost the duke should take it and do as he pleased with it and as for the seat in parliament lord dumbelow or any other equally gifted young patrician might hold it for him he would vanish from the scene and betake himself to some land from whence he would be neither heard nor seen and there starve such were now his future outlooks into the world and yet as regards health and all physical capacities he knew that he was still in the prime of his life yes in the prime of his life but what could he do with what remained to him of such prime how could he turn either his mind or his strength to such account as might now be serviceable how could he in his sore need earn for himself even the barest bread would it not be better for him that he should die let not any one covet the lot of a spendthrift even though the days of his early peas and champagne seem to be unnumbered for that lame nemesis will surely be up before the game has been all played out when mr sowerby reached his house he found that a message by telegraph had arrived for him in his absence it was from his sister and it informed him that she would be with him that night she was coming down by the mail-train had telegraphed to barchester for post-horses and would be at caldicott's about two hours after midnight it was therefore manifest enough that her business was of importance exactly at two the barchester post-chaise did arrive and mrs harold smith before she retired to her bed was closeted for about an hour with her brother well she said the following morning as they sat together at the breakfast-table what do you say to it now if you accept her offer you should be with her lawyer this afternoon i suppose i must accept it said he certainly i think so no doubt it will take the property out of your own hands as completely as though the duke had it but it will leave you the house at any rate for your life what good will the house be when i can't keep it up but i am not so sure of that she will not want more than her fair interest and as it will be thoroughly well managed i should think that there would be something over something enough to keep up the house and then you know we must have some place in the country i tell you fairly harriet that i will have nothing further to do with harold in the way of money ah oh, that was because you would go to him why did you not come to me and then nathaniel it is the only way in which you can have a chance of keeping the seat she is the queerest woman i ever met but she seems resolved on beating the duke i do not quite understand it but i have not the slightest objection she thinks that he is interfering with young gresham about the crown property i had no idea that she had so much business at her fingers ends when i first proposed the matter she took it up quite as a lawyer might and seemed to have forgotten altogether what occurred about that other matter 
i wish i could forget it also said mr sowerby i really think that she does when i was obliged to make some allusion to it at least i felt myself obliged and was sorry afterwards that i did she merely laughed a great loud laugh as she always does and then went on about the business however she was clear about this that all the expenses of the election should be added to the sum to be advanced by her and that the house should be left to you without any rent if you choose to take the land round the house you must pay for it by the acre as the tenants do she was as clear about it all as though she had passed her life in a lawyer's office my readers will now pretty well understand what last step that excellent sister mrs harold smith had taken on her brother's behalf nor will they be surprised to learn that in the course of the day mr sowerby hurried back to town and put himself into communication with miss dunstable's lawyer End of chapter thirty seven recording by Nick Whitley, Purdy, United Kingdom.